2: chumba No plus and website for details. Welcome to Victims and Villains. If you guys are new to our show, we create content like what you're watching and if you're listening just to educate and engage individuals like yourself on mental health awareness and suicide prevention through pop culture and while we
1: love talking about movies, uh, my name is Captain Nostalgia, by the way, we are also recognized that not every movie is going to be helpful for your mental health. Um, and these are our top 10 worst movies of 2021. Uh, and I'm joined by the ever lovely Mr. Kales Black Nerd Magic
0: Davis. Hey, I hope everybody had a um, good holidays, a good New Year's. If you got snowed in like me, then your reaction may be a little bit different from mine's. But hey, uh, this podcast is all about mental health awareness. And we have come here as saviors to tell you about our 10 worst films of the year. These are films that we want you to stay away from. Don't even give them a shot because they will do bad things to your mental health.
1: I am just going to put a spoiler warning on my, my list. Space jam does not show up on this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm imagining it shows up on yourself.
0: (laughs) Oh, actually surprisingly. No, it doesn't. I actually found space jam to be salvageable instead of these other films. I got.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. Space jam is like being called like one of the worst movies of last year. And Hmm. I didn't look at it like, as like it was going to be art. I honestly like it to me, like it, it, Feels like something that would have come out in like two thousand
1: one.
0: Yeah, it's a film that probably should have been made maybe closer to what the original Space Jam was, and they had and there is if you go and look on the internet, there are treasure trove of potential sequels that was going to happen after Space Jam. So it feels like a film that is so far in the making that it's hard that should it really appeal to us to the people who really grew up with the original space jam or is it trying to appeal to the kids and it does both but sometimes it just really feels like a mismatch of um out of date comedic ideas but no space jam i think the reaction to space jam was a little bit overblown it's the it's the pinata of the of 2021 film season it's a film that everybody chose to pick on that one film and it was space jam but Space Jam is actually something watchable. If you can get away from the cringy jokes and the uh, LeBron James, you know, his really, his ineptitude as an actor, then you could probably enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I'm not going to say that like LeBron's going to win like Oscars and that he's like (laughs) going
1: down as like one of the most talked about actors of this generation. Look, The reason that I tell people to watch it, I'm like completely ignore LeBron, ignore all the uses of the IPs, go in for Don Cheadle because Don Cheadle, like just chewed the scenery in this movie and it works. Like I don't think I've ever seen him take on a role like this. I was really excited to like coming out of it. I was like, all right, this was actually really fun.
0: I I said in my review as well, Don Cheeto is probably the only reason that anyone can really find some enjoyment in. I mean, he really does go all in to this role. And it's like you said, it's unlike anything that he's really ever done. And I commend him for it. Yeah,
1: I, I'm so excited. So let's go ahead and get into this <laughs> uh, because these these lists are typically longer episodes. But they are honestly like these are the these are the type of episodes I look forward to doing yearly because while we do uh our top 10 lists which you guys can check out at victimsandvillains.net for slash reviews i published mine there and then uh our marvel correspondent joshua howell also published one as well um if you guys want to check out uh coalesce's uh they are his is on uh, feeling films uh rss feed so go check them out feeling film podcast but uh Kales, let's just go. We're going to go. This is the way it's going to work. We're going to, uh, Kless is going to start with one. I'm going to start with one. We're going to go from, we're going to go from best to worst. So from 10 to one. And Colless, my man, what do you have? I'm also going to, I, when I start my list, I'll put a preface on this. Uh, but my, uh, dude, what do you have for number 10?
0: Well, number 10, I'll just start it like this it's the little things that can get you caught. It's the little things Mm. that could rip you apart. It's the little things that could change your life. The little things is my number 10. And it's one of these films where maybe 30 years ago, it would have been an awesome film. I compared it almost to what Seven became five years later. It's almost like a 1990 film that finally got taken off of the shelf in 2020. And the writers and directors were still stuck in that era instead of bringing it to the present um Denzel the cast this cast I mean Denzel you have Rami Malik you have Jared Leto you should expect that a cast like this I mean the film is supposed to be bonkers good as far as acting but the problem is is that Rami Malik is miscast he's playing the stern detective who is always serious and always talks like this. He never changes tone. He just always talks like this because he doesn't have any feelings. And then you have a Jared Leto, who is a guy who we know is a method actor. He's dedicated to his performance, but his Charles Manson wannabe serial killer just didn't do it for mm. me. What was even more perplexing is that he was getting Academy Award-like buzz towards the end of, towards the end of um, earlier this year people were thinking he was going to win Best Supporting Actor. And I was like, where? Like, where do you see it? I mean, Jared Leto has done many more greater performances than what he's done in this film. And Denzel, well, Denzel. Denzel's never an L. Denzel will always give you a victory because he's Denzel. But even Denzel couldn't save this uh, sinking ship. It, and it's made by John Lee Hancock, the same guy who gave us the founder, the same guy who gave us the blind side. So that shouldn't tell you about uh, what you're going to get when it comes to this type of filmmaker for this director, then the little things is just very, um, it will remind you about how John Lee, Lee Hancock is as a director, and it's not a good one. It's a dark psychological thriller that could have had more bite. Instead, I would rather you go watch Seven or Silence of the Lambs.
2: Yeah, so we actually covered uh,
1: the little things way earlier in the year. Um, I actually just in the, the Twitch chat right now put in the, the the link to it. You guys can check out. We'll have links in the show notes where you guys can check out where we talked about this movie at length. And yeah, this movie, like, it had some great ideas. Like it, like you said, like, it, it feels like it's a 90s thriller that's trying to catch off of the hype of, like, Silence or, or Seven. And it just doesn't flow, like, right. Like, it feels
2: not only miscast, but, like, there are some, like, pacing issues and, like, plot holes that you didn't even address. And so it's, like, I walked out of that movie
1: feeling like I not only had just wasted my time, but also had, like, wanted to know, like, legitimately. Because they never actually give you closure. Like, that's probably the most frustrating thing about the
0: movie. It's a film that wants to give you that, oh, that surprising twist, but when you find out what the twist is, it's very disturbing, and it's also like, well, what did the other two hours of this film mean, if this is where you're going to go with it? It, It's a film that tries to teach you lessons about mortality, about regret, about, you know, when when does it become about taking it too far, especially from a position of power? It's a film that deals with these themes, but at the same time, it doesn't go deep into them it kind of just mentions them and doesn't do anything with it and a lot of the time it just really falls victim to its own hype and there was a lot of hype for this film and it it, it this happening at the beginning of the year let me know what we were looking for ahead and when it came to this countdown i knew that this was going to show up when it came for this podcast and it did it didn't fail me (laughs)
1: i don't know i watched a lot of more i watched a lot of like weirder stuff this year so like this movie is kind of like it's not bottom barrel but it's also uh right now it's just kind of eh. like it's it's very much just kind of like a, a middle of the line like um just thing uh so our our friends over at you have to watch this podcast are in the chat right now and uh want to know if we're talking about 2011 or 2021 which must mean i messed up on the twitch title Uh-oh. um <laughs> there you go we're talking about 2000, 2021 um so yeah i don't know man the little things feels like a missed opportunity it's and it is like still surprising that like this time last year there was so much award buzz around uh, Leto's performance in this and I was like dude like he was alright in this but like I, I feel like this is what I wanted from like his Joker not necessarily his like Manson wannabe.
0: Yeah. Yeah I, I would rather watch an extended cut of Jared Leto as Joker instead of watching him in this film.
1: My number ten is actually one you just watched and uh, it is your ants. If you guys have I've been with our show and listened to a lot of episodes Colossus and I have done. You know that we have an inside slash running joke going where I love The Hunts. poster's right behind me if you guys are watching this on Twitch. And now Calus has found his equivalent to The Hunts, and that is <laughs> my number 10, which is Don't Breathe 2. Uh, I had really high expectations uh, for this movie. Maybe that's partially my, my fault coming into this movie, but... Let me just say that I watched the original one, and the original one is one of the most uncomfortable movie experiences uh, that I, I've, I've had in recent memory. Um, the turkey baster scene alone just kind of like, uh, I mean, yeah, you just watch Colossus' face if you guys are watching this on Twitch. It's like, it's an unsettling, uncomfortable scene. And this movie basically tried to have the audience sympathize with a rapist and a kidnapper and basically just trying to do like a retread of the first film without the emotional core. And that to me was really why I call this one of the worst movies of the year. I'm also going to preface this I preface by, by saying my top 10, these are not actually my top 10 worst of the year. My actual top 10 worst of the year are movies that you guys haven't really heard of so one of the rules that Kalesa and I made when we came into this was that they had to have like some semblance of a theatrical release and or have had to have a streaming release this year on a notable platform Um, this one to me I don't know man like I I just the first film it's not perfect but it stands so well on its own that you don't need a sequel And the fact that, like, they did all of this press talking about how, like, this one was going to be more brutal than the first one, I felt like this was, like, the best example I can give was coming in, coming off of The Strangers to The Strangers' Prey at Night, where you have this, like, legitimately, like, creepy, just self-contained story, and it has such impact, and then you move into a a straight slasher ripoff, and that's what Don't Breathe Too was to me
0: wow uh I think uh, we watched two different films I mean here, here's, here's what I'll here's where I'll settle with on Breathe too it is uncomfortable to have your protagonist be the guy that was in the first film having um turkey basers and taking you know uh, and doing things with women that it, ugh, is just disgusting. Yes, it's very uncomfortable. And my biggest worry was that watching Don't Breathe 2 is that they were going to make this guy into a hero. Well, I didn't get a sense of that. I saw that this is just a guy who happened to come across this little girl, and now he's pretending to be her parent in some kind of sick way because he's lonely. And when you find out what happens with this girl's parents and the whole – pivot shift that comes from that narrative was actually something that that kept me hanging on. Um, I came into this expecting to hate it. You know, I liked I really did like the original Don't Breathe. I really liked the concept. I, If you look at Don't Breathe 2, look at it as almost like, okay, let's pretend that this, this is not sequel. Let's pretend that this is just an original film. Then, hey, this film probably works so much better. But since it is a sequel to Don't <laughs> Breathe, and then you have that leading protagonist character, and then you have that it just Instead of it turning into like a suspenseful, like we're sneaking around in the dark, and it's almost like a Blair Witch Project kind of sense of urgency, and you go straight to slasher mode. Yes, it's definitely going to um, not play well for the people who were fan- big fans of the original one. But I'm one of the defectors. I like the original, and I like this one.
1: <laughs> and that's fine. Like I'm, I'm glad that someone got entertainment out of this. For me, I don't know if it's a, it's because I have such Like steep love, and like I'm so into this genre that I can call when scenes are going to be predictable. Like, I was calling things as they were happening in the theater and. I never want to feel like that as a viewer to where I'm like, oh, this person is going to show up here, and then that character makes the turn, and boom, there's those characters coming face-to-face. Like, to me, I just felt like it was was boring, it was predictable, like, all the intensity, all of the characters, like, all of the, the antagonist elements, like, the... The drug guys or whatever they were, like they just were were stock characters. I think that was kind of one of my biggest problems: is that these characters just felt underdeveloped. Like even Stephen Lang's character just doesn't feel like he's developed at at all from moving in from the first film to this to this film.
0: Yeah, I mean Stephen Lang, he's good in this film for what he does. I mean. They almost make him almost they almost make him like this kind of um Terminator guy. Like he and they say that he's a Navy SEAL and he gets to do all this um good stunts. Well, it's probably not him, probably somebody younger in makeup, but he 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 gets to almost be like an action hero, which you know for for the people who find it uncomfortable, it probably is. And I will agree with you, the the villains in this film, I mean, it's just your it's just another copycat home invasion squad <laughs> that comes through and they're just all about being evil and you know, just being the worst, of the worst it's yeah. The, the characters are definitely not a strong element of this film. I, I agree. Yeah. Uh,
1: if you guys have seen any of these movies in the chat, let us know. We'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. Um, are we over critical of these movies? If not? Um, yeah. Let us know. Um, all right. So we got for number nine.
0: So number nine, I have Evil Dies Tonight. Halloween Kills It uh, is the sequel that proceeds to take a piss on the original um, reboot that came out in 2018. Listen, uh, I understand that Michael Myers is a terrifying force of nature. I understand that this guy is almost like body build strong and he never dies and he never goes away. But what happened to... Michael Myers being a guy who sneaks in the dark, and just grabs you from the back and gets you by a shot or a surprise. In this new film, they make Michael Myers pretty much John Wick. He just goes around just murdering, torture, desecrating anybody in his path. And it feels closer to Gore porn than any Halloween film I've seen before. And I'm even speaking about the Rob Zombie films. I mean, especially Halloween 2. This film feels even more outrageous than that because you're jumping off straight after the end of Halloween. And but then what you do is you proceed to put one of your main characters in a hospital for two-thirds of the film. Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't do anything in this film except lay up in a hospital bed. Uh <laughs> and then you get these you get this rogue gallery of all of these characters who come along in this film and you think, okay, that's going to be the guy. That's going to be the girl. That's going to be the person to fall. But no, it's like. Any person that gets involved, they immediately get killed afterwards. And then instead, instead what you get is this motivational speaker, middle-aged guy that goes around and just does evil dies tonight, evil dies tonight. And it leads into a bad attempt <laughs> at societal messaging, where we are talking about riot mentality, mob mentality. in in. it, it is just does not work. I mean, Halloween Kills, this is one of my most anticipated films of the year. And and I think the reason why I rated it so low is because it really, really did make me want to turn the TV off. It did. It, if I was not a guy who was serious about film, I would have not finished this. I would have just immediately shut it off. Thank God that it was a Peacock release. Because <laughs> seeing this in theaters, I would have asked for my money back. <laughs> and I love Michael Myers, but this felt like such an easy link to just get... An easy rock to skip over in order to complete the trilogy, which will be Halloween Ends this year.
1: Much like my last pick for Don't Breathe to this one, it could not be farther from my top 10 worst list. Uh, it's an honorable mention actually for my, my best films of the year. I just... Dude, I had so much fun with this movie. Like, I understand everyone's gripes with it. But for a guy that, A, loves horror, loves this franchise, and also loves just blood, dude, like, I had an absolute blast with this movie. Like, I, I you guys can hear us. We, we did an episode about it, Mark and I, uh, for abyss-gazing with Andy from uh the love what i love podcast and like all three of us just like really had a a blast with this man like i ended up seeing this a movie in theaters three times just because Uh, yeah dude i i I just had a blast with this movie man like michael myers like you know this is this is this is the most brutal we've ever seen him and um I think that you know one of the things because we were supposed to get it back in 2020, and David Gordon Green kind of talked about the third act of the movie, kind of comparing it to the civil unrest that we were seeing in um, in in June of last year. And I just I think from a social commentary standpoint, this movie definitely fails. But I think if this is a movie that is not for the common audience, I think this is a movie that you are going into to uh, basically satisfy fans of the genre basically
0: now your um your outlook on it I can't agree with um, especially from you like I know you are a dedicated Halloween fan guy like I know that you live and breathe by those films and you live and breathe by a lot of films in the slasher genre. so I can't disagree with anything um, you said. I I like that we both agreed on the social commentary being a little bit weak, but as far as um, for anybody who loves Michael Myers, then, hey, I mean, this is just a new generational take on the character. For me, it didn't work, but hey, if it worked for others, hey, if you like it, I love it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and i I am really looking forward to bringing this home next week best buy has this really sweet steelbook that they're doing with it so i'm like preparing to be there when the store opens at 10 a.m next week and just be like i'm here because evil does tonight um i don't know there's also there's also an extended cut that's coming home it's supposed to i don't know it's I don't understand, like, the, the extended cut when they say this, and it's like, there's only two minutes of extra footage. It really changes the entire movie. No, it doesn't. I, I guarantee you it does not. Mm-mm. <laughs> All right. Well, much like your number 10, my number 9 is another January release from last year, and that is The Marksman, uh, the... Newest Liam Neeson movie. Uh, basically Liam Neeson plays this guy that is a retired, I believe, assassin or like Navy SEAL, one of the two, and he was a great marksman. And basically, he like gets into a situation where he has to like get this kid to Mexico, um, or else he gets deported, and like. It does this, like, very, like, surrogate father, like, and son thing really well. But that's, like, probably, like, an eighth of the film's narrative. Everything else around it is just, like, an utter mess. Um, And it just kind of feels like one of those things, like, January is notorious for being, like, a a cinematic graveyard where it's just, like, a dumping ground for just, like, crappy movies. And every once in a while you get, like, rarities like split um but for the most part it's just a dumping ground and the marksman definitely just feels like it was just dumped and left to be forgotten about
0: well hey this looks like uh, this is liam neeson's career now just taking on these random action hero roles like after taken i think taken was a blessing and a curse for liam neeson Maybe it's not a curse, maybe he does enjoy doing these films, but it feels like after taken, he's playing the same guy. <laughs> he's playing the same guy. All that changes is what he's looking for and what he's hunting for. <laughs> What's really bad about this too is
1: that he, like he's gone on record saying that like he's just not going to do roles like this anymore and then he always ends up doing it. Like we're uh, a few weeks away from his Lotus movie, Blacklight, which is supposed to be the same exact thing. Someone on Facebook shared the poster for it, and they're like, someone spelled taken for wrong. Like, the entire premise <laughs> is just a- another taken movie. And, like, all of these movies are basically taken. That's it. <laughs> You're totally right.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's pretty much what it is. That's why I don't even touch these with a ten foot pole. Like you won't wa- you won't catch me watching a um, Liam Neeson action action film these days. <laughs> um I'll watch some Schindler's List. I'll watch uh you know some of his films before Taken, but after Taken, nah, it's just Liam Neeson's just turned to action hero Liam Neeson. Yeah. It's not even
1: it's not even they're not even good movies at this point. <laughs> Hence hence my, my number nine. But there's there's eight movies that are worse than this one, so it's not terrible, terrible. What do you got for number eight?
0: So for number eight, I have a interesting film that was released on Amazon in February, and it's called Bliss with Owen Wilson and Selma Hayek. Owen Wilson and Selma Hayek, two actors that I do love and I'm a big fan of. So I came in here with some with some expectations for it. It's a film that tries to be like The Matrix, where you have this—you have this story about this one person who's living in a simulation, but he doesn't realize that's a simulation. But the simulation is actually real life, like despair, you know, homelessness, like all of this. But this is what the real life is. But his simulation is where he's a rich man and he has his wife, Usama Hayek, and they both travel to. They—they they have this thing in the future where you can travel. To real life. You can actually go and see how it is to live and struggle through life and then come back to your regular life and and you appreciate that. And I can understand that, I can understand that we need to be appreciative of where we are in life. We don't need to worry about what we're going to achieve, what we're going to have. Like, how can we uh, appreciate that if we don't appreciate what we already have? I understand the message, but it's so it's just like how plainly stated the message is throughout this film. It's very incoherent. It's It mumbles throughout, trying to be philosophically important, trying to be smart, trying to be fake deep, in a sense. And it's sad that actors like Owen Wilson and Selma Hayek are in roles like this because they deserve better than this. Uh, And I know that this is an Amazon film. It's released on streaming, so it probably didn't have any high expectations. But come on, guys. If you want to be like The Matrix, if you want to be like these science fiction films that really ponder into... What life means and what does it mean to you know not have a silver spoon in your mouth? What does it mean to have it all? If you're going to go into these territories, then you got to be better about it. Don't be simple minded.
2: If you or someone you know is listening to this podcast right now and you're struggling with suicide, addiction, self-harm, Or depression, we encourage you guys to please reach out. This is the heartbeat of why we do what we do. Suicide is currently the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. And as of this recording, there are 132 suicides that take place each and every day on American soil. And when you scale back internationally, there are 800,000 successful suicides. That is one death roughly every 40 seconds. So if you were someone you know is struggling, you guys can go to victimsandvillains.net forward slash hope. That resource is going to be right in the description wherever you guys are currently listening or streaming this. There you'll find resources that include the National Suicide lifeline which is 1-800-273-8255 you can also text help to 741-741 we also have a plethora of other resources including churches getting connected with counselors lgbt resources like the trevor project and also veteran hotline as well please if you hear nothing else in the show, understand that you, yes, you listening to this right now have value and worth. We get it. Suicide, depression, mental health, these are hard topics and the stigma around them doesn't make it any easier. But please consider the resources right in the descriptions below wherever you guys are listening because once again, you have value and you have worth. So please stay with us.
0: Play for free
1: at
2: Luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void were
0: prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: I loved the poster for this, but I largely don't trust movies with um that are on Amazon. I've heard a lot of bad things about Amazon movies. Like, that's, like, the one company I try to stick away from anymore. And you laugh, but, dude, like, like people like you and Aaron and, like, a, a couple other, like, critic friends I have just, like, talk about, like, how bad these movies are. And no, don't get me wrong. There are exceptions. Like, One Night in Miami. Um, what's the other one? Sound, of, Sound of, uh, of Metal. Like, two great movies. But... <clears throat> I just I don't know dude like I saw the, the, the advertisement for it and I read the synopsis and I was just like uh nope can't do this one so uh I, I actively avoided this. This is probably the first of a few on your list I haven't seen. And I think you haven't seen my number eight yet either.
0: Probably not. Let's let's see what that is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So my number eight is a movie called Separation, and this was released – this was a horror movie that was released in uh, April of this year. It went into theaters, and it holds a wonderful 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) So, I'm in good company, at least. Uh, Basically, this is the story of a comic book artist who is, like, struggling to find balance between, like, uh, kind of, like, creating and, like, finding fame and, like, being a dad. And so, like, his daughter kind of gets this, like, gift of, like, connecting with, like, spirits. And it's just a... It's just a mess dude like from start to finish it is it is a mess like it's such an interesting concept and it's acted not like it's not terrible in its acting it's really not um, Brian Cox is in it um, but i mean like it is such it's such a missed opportunity because like the the artistry and like the visual effects for this are are legitimately creepy and just look fantastic and like this movie i had forgotten about this movie until i was like going through my letterbox, and i was like wow i totally forgot about this movie and uh, that shows you what kind of quality i walked out of here with someone recently asked me if they should watch it because it is streaming for free right now on peacock and I was like dude it, uh, not even joking it is one of the worst movies not only of this year but that I've seen in like the last like 10 years like it's an awful awful movie
0: <laughs> Wow and usually Josh you're very like nice about films even if you don't like them but you gave this one a bit thrashing so I, I believe you <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: like, I, I understand like I, I try my best to like give the artist the benefit of the doubt but like if you can't even function on like like character development and like you're trying to do too much with your characters, then that's like basic storytelling right there. Like I just feel like you understand the story you're trying to tell and then craft your characters around that concept, not the other way around.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so enough said. Uh, what do you have for, for number seven on your list?
0: Number seven is the live-action Tom and Jerry remake. <laughs> um, many people might have forgotten about this film, and I don't blame you. I've forgotten about it until it was time to do this uh, this episode, and I happened to come by my list, and I saw this sitting right there at number seven. Uh, I-, I grew up watching Tom and Jerry like most of us did on Cartoon Network. I mean, it was one of my favorite cartoons to enjoy, and I loved the constant like battle between Tom and Jerry, the wits, the smarts, and even the effects and just the comedic effect that it had, you know, especially as a child. So seeing this film now coming back for a new generation, I understand the intent. I understand the intent of bringing back these characters for a new generation of kids to enjoy, but this was not it. This film, is it feels like it's another dated film. I mean, this film opens with a uh, pigeon singing a tribe calls quest. Can I kick it? And then there are a lot of 90 songs references throughout this film that are just weird. And mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand it. The battle between Tom and Jerry. I mean, there are some moments where, you know, you get that sense of arcade of, um you know, arc, arcadey freedom and just like hijinks. But then you also have this human story and you have Chloe Grace Mortez, which I, I don't know what's going on. Like, this girl had the had a promising start to her career. She played in Kick Ass as Hit Girl, and I thought that this is going to be the springboard for her to have a very promising career in Hollywood. But she continues to be in these films that do not use her talent at all badly written, tedious to watch, and just cringy, all around cringy. I mean, this film definitely is a film of its year. It tries to put in TikTok references, Facebook references, millennial humor. Uh, you have these all these adults who act very aloof and it's played up for bits and it's not funny at all. Uh, the story, is there even a story in this film? I mean, it kind of distracts away from what the film is about, Tom and Jerry. I really wish the film was just Tom and Jerry just being in one single house and just having a battle. That would have been a more entertaining film than putting these animals inside (laughs) of a hotel for some reason. And the animation in this film, like Tom and Jerry are almost computer generated, but they're playing next to human characters. And the effect is very uncanny valley at times. Like it's very weird. Like, Human characters will walk in with animals that are clearly cartoon drawn. It's like, okay, are we living in like a multiverse? Are we in another dimension where this, this actually happens? It's, it's just a film that is very forgettable. I don't understand why it was made. I'm thinking because HBO Max wanted to put an easy hit in it was a hit on streaming services. I will give them that. So this film was a success, but quality wise, it's not memorable.
1: Yeah, so just to kind of put this into perspective, I saw this in theaters, and I covered it early for our website, and this is on my list too. It's a little bit higher up than yours, uh, but I will also say, and I will talk more about this when it comes to on my list, but just to put this in perspective, I saw this in a theater filled with parents and their kids. And no one was laughing. Not a peep from the children. <laughs> not a peep from the parents. Like, if that doesn't tell you anything about the quality of your family movie that your intended audience isn't even laughing, then you deserve a spot on this list. I am sorry, my friend.
0: It's, hey... That's the, that is the big meter right there. That is the sign that tells you that your family film doesn't work. It's when even parents and kids, because usually if you're a parent, which, well, I'm not, we're not any parents, but you know that if you take like a, uh, you know, your little niece or your little nephew to a film and usually kids will fall for anything. I mean, it, it doesn't take much to get them stimulated, but when you take them to a film that's supposed to get them stimulated and it doesn't at all, then that's very concerning. And makes me wonder this should just should have been an hbo max exclusive which probably it would have been a much better light if it was not a theatrical release at all
1: (laughs) well and i I watched uh I, i so like into the week of when i'm like covering films for the website part of my process is like if it's a popular IP like I'll dive into a little bit of like the backlog to kind of get in the mindset so I ended up actually watching the original 93 movie before that I had never seen it before I watched a little bit of the episodes and like even the the episodes or even the, the 93 movie doesn't really flow like Tom and Jerry just kind of seems like to be one of those properties that you can't really do for an hour and a half uh, because that concept of a mouse and cat like just works really well for like a six minute short but not necessarily a 90 minute movie
0: yeah they're better off as being cartoons some things are just not meant to take on being a full-length film some things are just better digestible when they are 20 25 minutes instead of just being 80 minutes long
1: Yeah, that's the last I'm going to say of that before I, I get to mine. My number seven is one that I think you and Aaron both liked, and that was Voyagers. Uh, Voyagers had a great cast. It had Colin Farrell, Ty Sheridan, Lily Rose Depth, uh, Finn Wolf, Wolf- yeah. Whitehead um, among others and basically the idea of this this, uh, this society gets propelled into space and they're basically trying to like raise the next generation of kids and to be colonized on another planet because all of the Earth's planet all of Earth's resources have run out and you kind of go through this like Lord of Flies situation but in space. And I don't know, man, like I read Lords of flies in high school and I wasn't a fan of it. Like I saw, I saw this in theaters and I was, I had really, I was at high expectations for it, but like, I just didn't know what to expect from this. I really, really like uh, Lily Rose Depp as an actress. I really, I think she has a really promising young career ahead of her. I really am looking forward to seeing Wolf when I when I get a chance to. But I don't know, dude. Like this movie like it looked pretty and it looked stunning. But honestly, man, like it just it just couldn't grab me, man. Like the, I didn't connect with any of the characters. Like it was predictable. It just felt really bland to me.
0: No, it's definitely one of your basic space films. It leads you to believe that it's going to be more than that, especially in the beginning. Now, for me, I had a more favorable look at this film, all because of how it starts off with the first in the middle act you're kind of left in a suspense of not knowing what's going on, but you're interested. You're wondering, okay, why are these people on this ship? Why Why are they not allowed to eat this? Why are they not allowed to do this? Like, Why is it only just young people? And it grabs you in. But then when you understand what's going on and you get what the luck of the draw is, then you're kind of out on it and it really just kind of moves ordinarily and You know, that's not all bad. It wasn't all bad for me, but I can understand why it would leave somebody like just unfulfilled with where it goes, especially with so much promise. I mean, the cast is great, a great cast of young actors, and it looks very good. Like I've heard great things about the 4K disc. Um, But as a space drama, uh, there are a lot more options that you can go with that are much better than this film.
1: I think it was really heartbreaking to me was the fact that I had just watched Ty Sheridan in Joe, if you've ever seen that movie, and he just gives such a, like, such a gripping performance, and, like, him and Nicolas Cage both are just so dynamic in that movie, and, you know, I have always been a Ty Sheridan fan, I always think that, like, even when when he's in bad movies, he's never a bad uh, actor in those movies like he's always he always does the best with what he's given and it just kind of felt very robotic here it felt very predictable it felt it's I was just so bored for two hours that I'm like man I'm like this is a space movie it's supposed to be grand it's supposed to be like you know this like but instead like it's this like philosophical and like teenagers like discovering their sexuality and I'm just like you can't even make this interesting like come on
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's all like, you know, most people don't understand that you can have a great idea, but if you don't know how to translate into something that's exciting, entertaining, or deeply impactful to watch, then no one's going to care about it. I mean, it doesn't help that you bring it up and don't do anything interesting with it. It's I'm completely understandable. Like I said, I was on the brighter side of this, but it's definitely a film that after I watched it, I kind of forgot it and I'd have no intentions of even watching it ever again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right. What do you got for number six, my friend?
0: So number six, we have another film that deals with a societal problem with a lack of respect, a lack of comprehension, and just for the sake of being offensive. And it's a film called surge. Um, Ben Winshire plays in this. He plays as Q in the Daniel Craig, um, James Bond films. And this is nothing against Ben Winshire. Ben Winshire is great in this role. Like he's best actor good. This film was even close to even being just average or mediocre. But no, this film is terrible. It's once again, a film about an angry angry white man that doesn't like society. But there's a way that you can do this story. That film was Joker, which was made about two two years ago. At least with Joker, you can understand why a guy like that breaks. You can understand with the aspect of mental health, with the aspect of how dire his his living conditions were, with everything that's happened to him from a child to who he is now. You can understand why this guy went full blown insane and just decided to create chaos for the sake of chaos. You can understand that. With this film, they try to get you to emphasize with a guy who His annoyances are everyday annoyances for other people. Oh, he has a a bad job. Oh, he has annoying neighbors. Oh, uh, his parents, they don't like him. His father never liked him. His mother is a malcontent that just lets anything bad happen to him. Like, it is a film based on increasingly bad things happening to this guy. And when he, in response... Decides to commit crimes and go on his tour self liberation. You're supposed to be cheering for this man. You're supposed to be happy that he's finally letting go and he's finally being who he wants to be. But what form does that take? Him going, this character goes around and robs banks. He goes and rents a one thousand dollar hotel, one thousand dollar night hotel room. And you know what he does? He destroys the sheets. He destroys the covers. He destroys the pillows. He destroys this luxury hotel room just because just because he's angry just because he's full of rage he jumps into and crashes a wedding and these people are looking at him all weird and he's eating food and doing all of this just being a straight asshole but yet we're supposed to love this guy and we're supposed to be like yes he's finding himself he's fighting against society no this is just a film about a misguided and an angry white male that just puts havoc and mayhem out into society and we're supposed to be like cool that we're supposed to understand it no it is it's it's a film that is another form of baseless social critique it's a film that wants to say that wants you to to trick you to thinking that saying something serious about a problem which is maybe i guess toxic masculinity it wants to say something about that but it doesn't say anything it's just a film about an angry guy who does angry things to society just because he's angry about everything
1: Wow, that sounds like quite an angry movie. Uh, I've never even heard of this movie. Uh, when did it come out?
0: Um, it came out in October. It, 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 I mean, if you go look at his letterbox, not a lot of people have seen it. It, it was somewhat of a film that had promise because of Ben Winshire being in it. But when you see Ben Winshaw, Ben Winshaw, that's Winshaw, that's his name, sorry. But when you see him in this film and what he's surrounded with, didn't you understand why it's not really getting that much attention and hype like it was? It, it fell. It quickly fell below under the radar. So I'm not surprised you didn't even hear of it because it quickly fell out of rotation.
1: <laughs> That's what really yeah, I said. Yeah, I like googled it while you were talking, and, and like it looks like audience, like critics kind of liked it because it's at 77 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Where like oh. audiences like really didn't like it. I think it's. I think it holds like a 50 or 55 percent on uh, critic score. Or audience score, sorry.
0: I thought it would be much lower. (laughs) I don't know. know.
1: Um,
0: I I guess it's just another kind of Joker-type film, and I guess the critics fell in love with that because they think that it's a a film that's saying something deep, but it's not. I mean, if you really understand the issues, and you watch the news, and you see what's going on in society, this film doesn't even touch the surface of what's going on.
1: yeah all right i i can i can respect that um so my number six is actually a blockbuster that got delayed by a whole year last year with the pandemic save family because it's f9 uh yeah dear god i hated this movie i was so bored by this movie um let me just say that this movie made me very hesitant to come into not only the Suicide Squad, but to have any type of hype for the Peacemaker series, which John Cena, the Invisible Man, has since kind of brought that back up, brought, brought hype back. I'm really looking forward to Peacemaker next next week. Um, but yeah, like this this series has like. I I understand it's, like, it's ridiculous, and I'm here for the ridiculousness. Like, I low-key love just about every movie in this franchise. It's such a fun series. But this latest installment was, like, the lowest point that they've hit since Tokyo Drift. And I'm just going to say it was, like, there was such, like, intensity and such, like... (sighs) There was, an, there was an intensity that you could have brought to this, like, you know, like, brothers and, like, rivals, and, like, they just don't ever hit it. Like, it never raises to the level that, like, I wanted it to, to feel. Like, I didn't feel emotionally fulfilled in this movie. And I feel like having this, like, you know, backstory of, you know, spoiler alert, like, their father basically dying by one of the brothers, like, that enough is is enough to where, like, you should, like, step up and say something, but, like, they just, everything is, like, swept under the rug in the third act, where it's, like, so predictable, where it's just, like, family, like, six months of family memes, like, this movie not only earned a spot on my list, but well-deserved, the Flood it got With memes because of it
0: I Agree with you F9 is Is a bad mess You know I usually give Fast and Furious a little bit of leniency. I don't really put any tough gloves when it comes to Fast and Furious because these films have turned into just being all about fun, just being all about the ridiculousness. Like, hey, do you want to go to space? Do you want to see cars driving to space? Well, come on to F9. It's like your amusement park. You know, you come to see the ridiculousness and you come to expect it. So no problems there. But when this film wants to get serious, when it wants to tell a story, that's where um, that's where the bad things start happening. I mean, the way that they bring back Han is so embarrassing. I mean, just the, when, (laughs) I want people to understand this. No spoilers, but I want people to understand this. When you see this film, if you haven't seen it already, and you understand that Han, you know, died um, in in Fast 6, when you understand that and you see the way that they bring this character back in this film, you will want to really stand up and shout at the screen. It is, it is All about suspending logic, just suspending all common sense and just letting things happen. Just, hey, like, we're just going to bring these characters back that were clearly dead. But you know what? We're going to bring them back and resurrect them. And you just have to like it. Um, The acting is terrible. Vin Diesel, uh, I mean, is Vin Diesel even trying in this film? Like, it feels like he's just grumbling. Like, every line is just like, we got to do what we can. Family, like it, it. It feels like he's tired of talking about family <laughs> with the way he's acting. And then you have, and then you have the action. The action is not as exciting as the other entries of the series has been. I feel like the high point of the series when it comes to action was Fast Five. But with this film, now it's just all about explosions. Like a car can be shot with one bullet in its window; it's, it's exploding. It doesn't matter. Like people people still are not getting gas. Like, people are driving these long distances in these cars and they're still not getting gas. People are driving, they're be- they're flipping over 20 times, they get out of the car, no scratches. I uh, mean, there is a scene where John Cena is literally hand-gliding for 10 minutes straight. Like, literally over the streets of London, he's hand-gliding for 10 minutes straight. No brakes at all. Like, <laughs> it is ridiculousness for the sense of being ridiculous, which is the trademark of this series now, but... Now it's come to a point where it's annoying and you kind of just want to like put in a timeout and just not even talk to it anymore. Just throw it in the dark and just keep it there. Like once Fast and Furious 10 comes out, stop doing these films. It's over. There's no more juice. <laughs>
1: I was going to say they could do a prequel series, but all the prequel you need, it is in this movie, and Mm all of that stuff, like, there's a point in this movie where like, I think one of the dumbest things that, and just for context, like, I love meta humor. I really, like, just love, like, tongue-in-cheek stuff, and it's part of the reason that, like, if you listen to our Matrix series, that, like, I actually was entertained by Matrix Resurrections. But this movie, like, there's a scene where, like, Tyrese and Ludacris are having a conversation, and they're like, man, like, we've had, like, all these, like, bad things happen to us, and, like, we should have died by now, right? Like, and it's, like, it's very much, like, breaking of the fourth wall, and I'm just, like, did this just really happen? Like, did they just, like, channel Deadpool? And it's such a, it's such a cringy moment, but you're so right, man. Like, all the action, and, like, to take horror logic, like, people say, like, talk about, like, Hellraiser bloodline and like Jason X, like and Leprechaun for anytime a franchise goes to space, you've lost it. That's it. You've reached there's no turning back from that. And I feel like the the fact that we see them go to space in this movie, there's there's nothing else you can say. Um yeah,
0: it's like what do you yeah. do after this? Like you've already went to space. Like where is the new frontier? I don't think there is none.
1: <laughs> I will say though, for as much crap as I hated about this movie, how they actually got to space was rather entertaining, and how they tied it back to Tokyo Drift was also pretty res- has my respect at least in that regards. But like, this movie was like just two and a half hours of just like put me to sleep, man. Like I would I would I would put this on for like my cats if I wanted them to sleep. Hey.
0: Uh, you know what was funny? This film is like 158 minutes, but my girlfriend's um daughter, her her seven-year-old brain loved this film. Like she was excited, she was energized. Anytime she saw a fast car on the screen, she was like, Wow, and she enjoyed it. So I think that is the one silver lining I got out of this film.
1: <laughs> That's fine, man. I look, as long as there's an audience for it, I'm I'm fine with it. But I'm just not here for this man. Um, I, I'm hoping that, that Fast 10 is going to be it that, that's done, and to your point about uh, him, like Vin Diesel, not like, really acting anymore, he just kind of grumbles everything, but he enunciates family. That's the only word he knows how to say in his contracts anymore.
0: yeah I I think that is the word that he is known for now like if I ever meet him I just want to hear him say family
1: (laughs) split caress your family (laughs) what do you got for number five
0: so number five this film well given that on letterbox only 532 people have seen it and it was released in October I'm guessing you haven't heard this either But um, it is a cartoon remake of Night of the Living Dead called Night of the Animated Dead. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, So pretty much this is a shot-for-shot remake of Night of the Living Dead, except that it's in cartoon form. But the soullessness of whoever worked on this, the lack of passion, and just the sheer, sheer cheap cash grab maneuvers that are taken in this film is is so disgusting that... After I turned this film off, I immediately went and looked at my Night of the Living Dead Criterion um on my physical media collection. I looked at it in the face for 10 minutes. So I was like, hey, I still remember you're a great film. And it's like this night is it pretty much there's no magic in this film. Like the voice actors don't care. The animation is not even it doesn't even look as good as like Minecraft. Like you have characters that are literally walking in like they're doing the robot dance. And then you have this Copious amount of blood that they add to it, like they took Night of the Living Dead and just added more gore and color to it. That's all they did, and it's like, what? Like, I expected for this to be something different. I expected them to take this story and do something different with it, like maybe add in new characters or maybe add in a new location. I would have been fine with that, um because this film is already public property and it's, it's in the public domain, so people can do what they want with it. But this film is a front. it spits on the ring that the original film has on his hand. Like when you have these incredible moments in the original film, such as when we finally see the character of Ben, a black man in a 1968 film that is the leading character and nothing is mentioned ever about his race. And then you have this terror of seeing these zombies, characters we had never seen on the screen before eating intestines, moving slow, not dying until you shoot them in the head. Like all that mystique, all that's gone in this film. It's nothing but just people going through these locations and zombies being killed in the most gruesome ways possible. and it's boring it's, it's boring as hell. 70 minutes is a short time for a film, but literally I wanted all the 70 minutes back after watching this. It is a disgrace. it is a pure embarrassment and I wish for no one to see this film.
2: How would you guys like to help us get mental health resources into schools? conventions and other events? Well, now you can. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash victims and villains for as little as $1 a month. You guys can help us get mental health resources into current and upcoming generations. Educate and break down stigma surrounding mental health, suicide, and depression. And to get exclusive content that you can't get anywhere else. And you guys can tell us which Nicolas Cage movie you want us to cover, and we'll do it. All it takes to get started is to go to patreon.com forward slash victims and villains or simply click the link in the episode description wherever you guys are currently listening or streaming this episode. Pick your tier and get started today. Yes, it's that simple. So clickly select the tier that you want and help us get hope into the hands of the depressed and the suicidal today.
0: Wow! if you're to talk that way about your number five, I am
1: so interested here to hear what you have for you one uh, I did not get around to see this movie. I know about it. I read it about it on one of the uh, many horror sites I, I follow, and I just have not heard anyone talk good about this movie, and it takes a lot to make me want to actually watch an animated adult movie that is not dc related but i'm just gonna be straight honest with you like i watched i watched scorpions revenge the mortal kombat movie on like a pure win and absolutely loved it i think it's the best mortal kombat movie we've ever gotten i haven't watched battle of the realms yet but it's just it its care and passion about the 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 property and like the story and the characters it's just really well it's a it's a bloody fun entertaining time that said uh man like that just really breaks my heart about this movie because like uh you know george romero was such a pioneer of the zombie genre and to hear that his legacy has been like defiled in uh, this kind of way especially like with what you're talking about like this is this is not only this movie is what give us our modern day concept of what a zombie is not only that it put uh, a black man in a leading role in a time where he didn't see that in cinema and on top of that i mean it's such a simple elegant movie that for even being a horror movie it feels like you can uh you know move and and do stuff that you can't normally uh do within this genre because it's gotten so overpopulated by we just need zombies more blood more brains you know and what makes that such a an elegant first film is that a lot of that stuff didn't matter didn't didn't need it and to hear that they kind of got away from that with this new animated interpretation is really heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's it's reeks of people who know that this is a famous film, and they just wanted to jump on the bandwagon of his legacy and just take a poop all over it. That's what it feels like. Uh, it, it And I like how you said that if I'm throwing the vitriol for the fifth film, then yeah, it's going to get much, much darker when we get to these next th- these next four films. So <laughs> go ahead with your number five, bro. <laughs>
1: Uh, my number five was your number seven and it is Tom and Jerry. Uh, like we've already previously talked about like this movie, it was just uninspiring is really painful. All of the, uh, all of the, the, just everything associated with this movie is like 90 minutes of just pure boredom. Um, and to your point about there is there being a plot, Colin Colin Jost from Saturday Night Live is trying to get married. Like that—that's the main plot, and like the hotel is like dying off, and they need like the publicity in order to to get it. But I mean, yeah, dude, like it's just it, that's it, man. Like, like I think we talked <laughs> about this. Like, there's there's no reason to like retread it. It's just. It's it's garbage, man. Like, if your intended audience isn't even gonna laugh, like, why why bother? And and I think that they, they try to do this just to kind of like, because if you notice, like, every it's like every twenty years they come out and they're just like, oh, we're gonna do another Tom and Jerry movie, just to kind of like remind people that it's a thing. And it's like, dude, like if you're gonna do that, like, do what you know the Muppets or Looney Tunes do, and like create a series like every four or five years, and like. Reintroduce your audience to it that way, not just you know cold turkey throwing it, throwing them in the bathwater.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, we we'll often get some lost in these new remakes. It's like, I mean, the lack of respect to the original creators of these characters. Like, you have to understand that Tom and Jerry, it was something that wasn't done before Tom and Jerry. I mean, it was something that was created by these creators with passion, with heart. With ingenious ideas, you know, and that's the reason why these characters have lasted as long as they have. And for these new creators to come by and just do what they will with these characters without the amount of respect, reverence, or even attention to doing the best version of these characters, it it, it makes you mad. I mean, it, it 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 does nothing but make you mad as a person who's in who enjoys watching films. It, it's it's disgusting in a sense. Not disgusting, but just blasphemy.
1: yeah and i'm also gonna say this like i i went to the theater just uh, kind of like a joke to myself to go see clifford and honestly i can say that clifford was like leaps and bounds way better than this movie so if you're gonna watch any family movie from 2021 make it clifford the big red dog because it's entertaining it's heartfelt and it feels like a throwback to like 2000s like late 90s early 2000s humor and it's like delivery but yet it still is able to maintain a lot of the the modern feel of family films
0: yeah i mean it's you know we already have pretty much stayed i mean this film is just a gigantic mess and it really is a, a disrespect to anything. You know, if you love to be entertained, then this is not your film. It, it, it's the clear opposite. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right, man. what's your got for number four?
0: So number four, um, I have another property that got um, disgracefully uh, brought back to life. And that's home sweet home alone. Uh, it, it, it's a film that deals with, which is another unnecessary sequel to the first, Two great Home Alone films that we got in the '90s, and it's a cheap, cheap trick to try and bring back people in by nostalgia. I mean, this is a film that takes fun of itself by talking about how the new remakes just don't get the soul right, you know, of the of their original creation. And this film is a part of that. I mean, the kid that we follow in this film is. A douche. She he is just a douche. I'm sorry, but the thing that made the first two home alone films awesome was that Macaulay Culkin, and Kevin, Kevin was somebody that we saw in ourselves. We could understand Kevin. When he was in the hotel having fun, you know, with room summers and so we could see that. We could we could be we could be that. You know, he was a, a general kid, easygoing, that got left home alone. And it's not his fault. But with this film. This kid decides that he's going to punish his parents by being a bad kid and, be, and just by staying home and falling asleep in a BMW in a garage, which is weird. Because then the next scene shows that the family is going on vacation and they just never happen to stop in the garage to look for their kid. And also, <laughs> this film feels like it was written in the late 2000s with all of these cell phone ringtone era jokes that are in here. Like literally there's a scene where the dad is speaking, is trying to get back into his house. And he asks his kid, what's the code? And one of his kids says, yo, mama. And I was like, that was funny in 2001, not in 2021. And then we have this wealthy neighborhood. And the reason that the kid is now, the robbers he's fighting against is people who are trying to get at this kid because they thought he stole a doll. And then they realize that, oh no, maybe we're the evil people and not this kid. And then you had this heartwarming message about coming together during the holidays. But It's ruined because this film is just not funny. It's not funny at all. It has some weird special effects. All the acting is terrible. The comedy, the jokes, the punchlines, nothing is done well in this film. Nothing's done. And I'm kind of glad that this was not released in Fears. I'm kind of glad that this is a Disney Plus exclusive because, once again, it's an affront to Home Alone. I mean, we didn't need a Home Alone 3. We didn't need a Home Alone 4. We didn't need all of the many Home Alone sequels that have been made since the 90s. And this is another example of why they should put the series to bed. No one cares about Home Alone anymore unless they're watching the older films. I would recommend you watch Home Alone 1. Watch Home Alone 2. But do not watch, don't even watch Home Alone 3. Just don't watch any of the other sequels.
1: Yeah, so like there are certain things that happen in film history that is quite literally lightning in a bottle. Like you will never be able to reproduce that no matter how hard you try. And there are so many movies that have unnecessary sequels that are either direct to video or, uh, you know, direct to streaming nowadays. And it, it sucks to hear that because um, Archie Yates who is the, the main kid in this uh, max he is uh, he was in Jojo Rabbit, and like he's such a minor part in that role but I I really liked him in in Jojo Rabbit. I thought that you know I was excited for the prosperity of him being able to kind of do a, a movie by himself kind of lead that but like man I I actively avoided this thing because of all the the bad stuff bad movie i heard and i just i just didn't have a desire to watch this movie so number four i dodged a bullet here
0: you dodged a pretty big bullet i um i actually congratulate you and i would give you a handshake for doing that <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just like whenever we see each other in person it will be like here's that handshake from that top 10 we did a few years ago
0: yeah, I'm going to remember. I'm going to commit this to memory right now.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I guess I guess we're, while we're on the, the topic of family movies, here is my number four. It's another family movie, and that is The Addams Family 2. Oh. Uh, the Addams Family, the first one, was like I didn't like it on my first viewing and I really liked it on my second viewing. It's like one of those movies that had a grow on me, but this movie just feels soulless. Like, I-, I don't know how else to describe it. We brought up, um, Chloe, chloe grace moretz earlier um when we talked about tom and jerry like she's just kind of making like really questionable like career decisions uh shadow in the clouds was another film that came out last year that a lot of people hated, and this is another one that like i just couldn't get behind i love the idea of being able to take the adams family out of the uh you know the spooky mansion that they're most famous for and throwing them into, like, a Caribbean setting. And this movie feels like they were trying to make a gothic version of a goofy movie, and it just did not land under any circumstances. Like, the jokes were just dull. The uh, the There was, like, no heart in this movie. Like, it just doesn't even feel like this was a adams family movie and probably what's worse is that it feels like it's supposed to be like a despicable me sequel with the adams family like it just kind of feels like they uh mgm was just kind of like copy copy the homework from despicable me too and just throw the adams family in it. it like this was probably one of my worst uh experiences watching a movie this year
0: you know what's funny is that I have never been interested in any of these Adam Family animated films they've came out with in the last few years. Like, I consider me um, a black sheep, but I've never even really been a big fan of the Adams Family altogether. I've just never really found what was cool, or entertaining to watch about them. I mean, I understand that it's dark, morbid humor, and dark comedy is my favorite, but I've never really had a inkling or a want to really jump into the Adams Family. But judging by these animated films. I mean, you you see by the animation style that they are trying to be like a despicable me. Like, like even the dad kind of looks like a just shorter Olaf. That's what he looks like. <laughs> um, I understand what you mean, especially with I mean animated movies. I mean, unless it's made by Pixar or by these uh, Lakia or like these other you know indie studios, you know they're actually going to put some care and some love and some heart into these stories. Unless it's that if you're getting something from a mainstream studio, I mean it's going to be a really big amount of misses before you really get to a hit. And I guess it's because kids are easy to entertain. So there's not much creativity or not much like work that needs to be done for these films, but not, nah, it could be done better. Just because you're an animated film, and you're catering to kids doesn't mean you have to rest and just do the easiest thing. <laughs> what happened to just effort? What happened to that? Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't like really take a whole lot of effort because, like, again, going back to the original animated movie, like the there's that level of like weirdness, but also remaining remaining modern. So you have like the like the homage to the spooky that the Addams Family are famous for, but also at the same time you're able to also have inside the um. You know the, the very modern sensibility to appeal to it, and, and none of that stuff just appeals to it. Like the, the third act of this movie, like the big reveal of the antagonist, quite literally feels like the same exact motive from Despicable Me too. So I, I don't even think they tried with this one, man. Like it, it's just it. I, I don't know. It was very. I was very disappointed. Very let down by this. <laughs>
0: Alright, so I guess um let's go into number three. So number three for me is a film called Karen. Yes, a film called Karen. And guess what it's about? It's about a Karen. Um Tyron Manning um plays this white woman who lives in this nice neighborhood, and all of a sudden she sees that a black family is moving in next door. And this film this neighborhood is already diverse, but she seems to just have a problem with the black family. It, It's a film that jumps onto the bandwagon of the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, the protests, you know, George Floyd, everything that's been happening over the last couple of years. Um, This film is trying to condense itself and try to add some importance, try to add some solidarity with that movement, but it doesn't do a good job at all. I mean, it's poorly made. Like, there are scenes in this film where it's raining. You can see that it's raining and the characters are not getting wet. The rain looks fake as hell. Uh, there was one scene where a guy was, had his window open and it's clearly rain effects are showing, but no rain is hitting his window. Like even the bit of realism is not there. You also have these bits of dialogue that feels like they're lifted from Instagram comments. There's a line in this film where literally a guy said, so there's a Karen whose name is Karen. And it's like, oh, I see you've been doing a lot of meme homework. Good job. Uh, there's, there's also the idea of using black trauma as a plot device doesn't it, it doesn't mm-hmm. it's never is a good thing to do that i'm not in the business mm-hmm. of supporting films that use trauma porn to sell you a message there's no need to do that let me tell you this film reminds me of a film that was released in 2020 called antebellum you remember that film where um the lady was um in slavery but then it finds out that um she wasn't really in slavery but she was on this part, this theme park that Re- replicated slavery. It felt like this Karen film felt like that was that. It felt like, hey, you know what? You know what's a good idea? You see all those films with all those white women and stuff, and they're just being just like despicable, and you know they're being racist and everything. This will turn out to be a good film, no? Because I tell you what, the Karen phenomenon is getting kind of old. Like now, when I'm seeing people use it now for any kind of incident. It it, it ruins its lasting power, and it doesn't really solve anything. You know, when it comes to the racism problem, this film is just parody on top of parody, but it wants to be serious. It wants to be, you know, something that wants to be in the same league as a Malcolm X or a Watchmen or something like that. But it's not. It's terrible. I mean, no one's trying in this film. It's just bottom of the barrel. Horrible. And and you're better off just watching a Karen Public Freakout compilation on YouTube instead of watching this. (laughs)
1: Wow, yeah, I remember actually seeing the poster for this and I thought this was like legitimately like a joke. <laughs> and then I remember like seeing people post on the internet about watching it and I was just like Uh-huh. Because this was a BET like movie, right? Was this like a made for TV movie or for the streaming service?
0: Um it was made for the streaming service, but hey, I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if this was something made for BET. I bet you this is going to be on BET in the, within the next year. They're going to have constant reruns in this film. It looks straight up like a BET TV film. <laughs> Good comparison.
1: I'm so sorry for the the viewers that are going to tune in for that. Uh, Yeah, dude, like, this reminds me, like, I remember seeing the poster for this, and you remember a couple years ago when KFC decided they were going to do that short film with Lifetime about making the, the Colonel uh sexy with Mario Lopez? Mm-hmm. that's kind of what this poster reminds me of like I thought it was fake until I watched it and uh, I totally forgot this was a thing until you brought it up so I'm so sorry that you had to endure this
0: Uh yeah, I mean, I did it because I was morbidly curious. You know, sometimes I like to take a gander at these films that I know are going to, is going to be terrible. Sometimes you got to have fun with it. You got to have fun through the surfing. You have to laugh through the pain. And I did that a lot. This film has a lot of unintentionally funny moments that I would actually recommend for somebody to watch just to get a good laugh at how bad it is. It's one of those so bad, but it's entertaining to see how bad it is. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. Like it, it just can you just talk about it like this just sounds uh troublesome and cringy to say the least.
0: hmm No, it, it it's very it's very cringy. I mean, there are a lot of moments where they're like, Oh my god, do you see how bad this woman is? She is so a Karen. And do you see this black family like oh my goodness, like you never even understand what this black family even does. Like the one character that is fleshed out is Karen. The black family that we're supposed to be on the side of, they're never fleshed out. You never understand what the guy does. You don't know what kind of job he has. You don't know, even know what the woman, the wife of the, the wife does. They just say that she's like a famous blogger. And it's like, well, what do you blog about? And they never show what she does. So it's like, okay, I'm supposed to be cheering for these characters to make it a make it a, out alive against this character. But yet, I don't know anything about them. And <laughs> I mean, you have to literally watch it for yourself to like see those unintentionally funny moments because I bet you you're going to have a ball with it (laughs) I mean
1: look I I come from a horror background so like I I don't imagine that I won't have fun with this movie it just I don't know like after doing some of the the research that I've done for myself with like black history it's just kind of like uh... but maybe as a horror fan I need to check it out
0: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely do (laughs)
1: so my number three actually comes from the country of indonesia and this was a shutter exclusive this was a remake and this is the queen of black magic basically the story uh tells of families that basically come together that were raised in this orphanage they all come together and uh someone like I think that the house mother, or house father, they die basically. So they're coming together to kind of like clean out the orphanage, but like also at the same time, like like read the will and kind of they encounter this like haunted spirit that haunts the, the orphanage now. And I mean, on paper, this sounds like a truly great and fantastic movie. This movie was man like this movie was so boring uh stock characters the like just the bland like a bland narrative um but also at the same time like just all of like the the supernatural elements of this like are so so cruddy like it's so bad to see just how some of the visual effects in this movie translate and like I understand that like budgets for like the streaming services, especially smaller services like shutter and like uh, you know, probably not going to have like the best effects. I understand that. And I get that, um, but man, like this movie was just, it was an hour, and 40 minutes of just like, are we almost done because like, I'd found myself that like, I couldn't care about these characters. I couldn't care about this curse. And like, supernatural like exorcism movies are among my favorites to watch in the horror genre and this one just did not satisfy any of those itches
0: wow um i have i haven't heard of this film i mean from the title it sounds interesting like the queen of black magic it sounds like something that is very mystical and is going to get and it's going to be dealing with like you know uh maybe a witch story that can go a little bit like farther ahead with the concept but yeah man i mean i mean like i said i haven't heard this film but sounds like a huge disappointment i mean especially with a title like that with a title like that you got you gotta rock it you gotta rock it with a title like that and it looks like it (laughs) did (laughs) dude
1: yeah like and the poster for it is like this really gnarly like orange like red tint to it with like a broken skull like a snake crawling out of it like a woman like holding the the skull and like it just looks so gnarly and i was really excited to like sit down and watch this movie and i had gotten through maybe like as i was entering into like the last act i was just like so bored and i was like dude like i don't care about these characters anymore i was half tempted to turn it off but because like I was reviewing it like for victims. Like I was like, I got to stay with it. You know, let me just, let me just see it through to the end. But yeah, this was among definitely one of the worst movies of this year. And one of the most disappointing movies of the year too.
0: Mm. A shame.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So what do you got for number two?
0: Well, you know, often when we're on this podcast, Josh, I never get angry when we talk about films. Like even if a film is bad, you're never going to see me really get a, ri- get a rise out of me for a film being bad because at least the people behind the film thought they are doing something memorable. They thought they are putting their best foot forward. And I can appreciate that. This film though is offensive in all shapes and sizes. It's called two distant strangers and it's a short film. It's the only short film on this list. Uh, It's only 22 minutes, but I'll tell you what, 22 minutes that are frustrating, that are just very disrespectful to the victims of police brutality and to the unarmed Black men and Black women and Black children that have been killed. This film is supposed to be a memorial to them. It deals with a guy who is essentially living, a young Black man who's living in New York, who's essentially dealing with a Groundhog Day type situation where he walks out of this girl's apartment that he just met last night and he keeps getting gunned down by white police officers. You would think with that concept, okay, maybe it's telling us about how as a black man, you constantly have to fear leaving at your door every day, which is something I have lived through. And but this film doesn't do it it, it takes that situation that's supposed to be serious, that is traumatic, that is something that causes a lot of people to have PTSD, something that has killed innocent people they take this under police brutality and they make a comedy out of it there's literally a scene where Mm. during one of the loops you know the guy that we're following this young black guy played by joey badass who does a great job in this role joey badass is not only a great rapper he's a great actor but this film doesn't any favors but his character talks to the black to the white police officer and they're pretty much having jokes about hey, like, when are you going to come and, like, kill me? He's like, well, man, you know, this is, like, my job, you know, and everything. So, but, hey, maybe we can try to figure out how to get you out of this. Like, no, police brutality is not something to make fun of. Black trauma is not something to trivialize. It's not something that you can just glide over with a a careful, sugary paintbrush and just leave it as nothing. Like, no, it's a serious topic, and it should be treated as such. But these two filmmakers... They decided to make a mockery of it. There's a scene where the character during Moses gets killed. His blood pools and forms the shape of the continent of Africa. I'm not kidding you. That is really a scene in this film where a guy's blood is shaped into the form of the continent of Africa. And it's supposed to be powerful. It's supposed to be something that's like fight the power. It's supposed to be something that's like empower black people, but it doesn't. And they have the audacity. They have the rouge to List out all of the names of black police brutality victims over the last 10 years and act it and say we're paying tribute to you. yo, you're not paying tribute to them. You're staying their memory when you're making stories like this that trivialize what these people went through and what their families are still going through mourning the people, their relatives, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, aunts, uncles, cousins, friends people that they're still honoring and trying to get over that they have lost to something as random and tragic as violence and racism. It, it, this film is, uh, this film can go F itself. I'm not going to say it ever, but this film can really go F itself.
1: Yeah, I never heard of this movie, and I was like looking it up while you uh, while do it. It's on Netflix. But yeah, dude, like this this just sounds like why Like okay, especially like if you're going to like go i mean we've, we've talked about it a lot but like a lot of these movies seem to like have these like early 2000s like comedy edge to it or like satire where it was like it was okay to be edgy and like make these comments but like in 2021 like that stuff doesn't work like and even going back and revisiting some of like those like prejudice jokes from the early 2000s like they hit differently now like they are they're hard to watch like you feel dirty after you watch it or you know go through that scene and like to, to endure 30 minutes of this uh you know this satire like just sounds like not only like a painful experience but also like the fact that it people are making it like just you know breaks my heart
0: and you know what the big punchline of of all of this is is that this film won an academy award it won for best short film last year at the academy awards best short film uh and yeah it was a film that was released on netflix during like the early months of um 2021 but it was supposed to come out in 2020 but it got dropped onto netflix in the early months and that's where you could find it if you want to watch it but yeah, this film won Best Short Film because, and I guess that even gave more of these creators the, the sense that they did something right. But you didn't do something right with this film. I mean, this film is, is a mockery of what it means to make a film about racism, white supremacy, police brutality. Um, it, it, it's not important, it doesn't add anything. It is essentially a groundhog day type film that doesn't leave you with any answers and no solutions to the problems that African-Americans are facing in the world today.
1: All right. That's, uh, that's kind of jarring to me that it won an Oscar, but (laughs) you know, I don't always agree with the Oscars anymore. So there's that. Mm -hmm. Uh, so my number two is going to be riding high on the, hype right now with Tom Holland and Spider-Man Far From Home, because it is the flip side of his 2021 career, and that is Chaos Walking. This movie, visually, was awesome. Like, visually, it's beautiful. But this movie basically is, like, to, to just kind of sum up the plot very quick, it is this, like, futuristic planet where uh, like, some disease has wiped out all of females and, uh, all of the males have been infected with this like thing that like lets you see what each other, each, each other is thinking. And then Daisy literally crashes to earth. And basically this is the first time that all of these guys have encountered a woman. And she sides with Tom Holland to kind of, like, take down, like, this, this like, big coup. And, again, so much of the top five movies, I, I will say this, like, this movie, it tries to be, like, really haughty. And, like, tries to be, like, very thoughtful and philosophical. And I think it's really great. There are some genuinely funny moments in this. Uh, Tom Holland... Is very awkward. Daisy Ridley is very awkward. Awkward chemistry does not make for a good movie. It makes for an awkward one. Um, and, I, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, this one was such a, a, a bust for me. It's such a, a visual visual delight, but it's absolutely, uh, like, just two hours of, of boredom here. Um, and much like Voyagers, this movie just does what Voyagers does, only worse.
0: Wow, I am I am coming in from the complete opposite side on this. I actually enjoyed my time with Chaos Walking. I thought the concept of like, you know, these characters being able to hear other voices and you know where where you were as far as like how much power you had was all about if you could keep your voice silent. That that's what gave you like the that's what makes you unique. That's what gave you a difference in the society. So I mean, maybe if I went back to it, I probably would see the issues you're talking about. I don't particularly remember it. I mean, I'm finding it hard to really even gather much details from it because after I saw it, I kind of like saw it and just kind of forgot about it. I mean, Tom Holland's in this. I mean, there's a great cast in this film. And I mean, it's not like they do a bad job. But the story and from what I heard from people who have read the novel, that this, this, this film doesn't do any justice to that. And it's very confusing at times. Like, if you don't have subtitles, you're going to have a hard time following this film. Because there are so many, there are scenes where just voices are just colliding everywhere. And it's like, okay, do I have to listen to this? Is this important to the plot? What is, like, what what's happening here? Like, it is it is all over the place messy. I, I will give it that. And I had a hard time following it and, you know, without watching any subtitles. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you mentioned the cast, like Matt's, uh, Matt's Milk, Milk, uh, Middleton, I think. That's how you say that? Uh, and Nick Jonas are, are are both in this. David yellow uh, is in this, and uh, David yellow actually might be my favorite part of this movie. But you just proved my point right there. Like you, you had fun with it, but it's forgettable. And like this to me, just feels like very like stock CGI. I think that the. The thought processes for this movie are great, but again, it's just, it comes down to the execution of what you're watching. And for me, the execution of this movie was just very, very poorly delivered.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's something that I know a lot of people were looking forward to it and expecting it to be this grand thing and another vehicle for Tom Holland, but. it came and it went grand opening grand closing just as quick
1: (laughs) yeah all right so before we get to number ones uh, my question for you is do you have any honorable mentions that you'd like to throw out there for this year
0: yes um i have a few honorable mentions that i would like to give attention to i don't want anybody to forget about these films either um there is um one film called outside the wire on Netflix. Um, It has Anthony Mackie. That's um, the new Captain America Mm. in the MCU. And, you know, it's a film that is essentially about these soldiers that are in this new kind of battlefield. Anthony Mackie is playing this half human, half robot that is supposed to guide this guy across the minefield to get, to get to a place where he could dismantle nuclear weapons. And it's a film that's kind of cool. It has some little bit of nice action effects, some little nice scenes here and there, but it is very flat, and the cinematography is ugly. It's darky. It's dark, grimy, but it's not gritty in a sense where it's like documentary, documentary realistic type. It's grimy in the sense that no one did any color shading or any like kind of visual grading in post production. It, it, it's a Netflix action film, so that should already tell you about the quality of is and what it's going to turn out to be. But yeah, that is a bad film there's another film called jolt and hey josh this is another film that was released on amazon this year featuring kate beckinsale (laughs) as this woman who has uncontrollable anger like she is a woman she has a genetic disease that makes her unable to control her anger she's always full of rage and she has to have these constant injections of cortisol into her system to keep her from like overdosing or dying and the concept sounds great But what it eventually turns into is a generic action film. And, you know, some of the worst villains you'll see all year tries to take itself seriously, and it doesn't do that. Kay Begacell is good, but what is her character? Who knows? Uh, It's another forgettable Amazon original film. And the last I want to give to is The Kingsman. I saw this on the week before Christmas last year. And let me just tell you, if you expect to come into the Kingsman expecting the same fun, arcady, and just whimsical sense of the first two Kingsman films, you're not going to see it. I mean, you have do you have a poster of that of the Kingsman?
1: I do. They were giving it out free in my theater. I haven't seen the movie oh, oh, yet.
0: Oh, oh, I thought that this is going to be another the Hunt situation where the you were like the Kingsman is actually one of the best, and I was nah, <laughs>
1: nah, I nah, Haven't seen it yet.
0: No, it, it it almost like wants to be a 1917. It wants to be a war drama more than an action film. And when the action does come, it's not very fun to watch. I mean, there's a lot of good stunt work. There are some interesting choices they do with the stunt choreography like they do in all Kingsman films. But it, it more wants to teach you a historical lesson rather than having fun with you and it, it's very boring to watch. Like I honestly should have took a pillow to the theater when I saw it because it would have got me in for a good nap. <laughs> it, those are the, of the honorable mentions I have this year. All
1: right, well, uh, I I will I will throw out three of my honorable mentions as well. And uh, my first one is going to be old. Uh, M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> I for some reason I, I go through these like phases where I'm just like M Night. He's this is this is gonna be the one that, that brings him back, and uh, you know I'm always like I'm always like hopeful for like that other split and like Glass wasn't necessarily a terrible movie and this one I think had good ideas but really terrible execution, um so this one just kind of was like really bland to me, um I wanted to like it a lot more than I did and I brought up Amazon, and it wouldn't be worth a bad movie list. If I didn't have an Amazon movie on here and, uh, this one's going to come with, uh, Tom Clancy's without remorse, which I know. I think you were a big fan <laughs> of, uh, I love Michael B. Jordan. He is one of my favorite actors working in the business today, but I am not a, I am not an action movie fan. Like I, I have a lot of fun with them. I'm just not the audience for this. I was really bored and let down by this one though. um, but that said, I will probably still watch the Rainbow Six movie if it gets greenlit, um, just because I, I want to see what he does. And uh, my last honorable mention is going to come from Shudder, and it's going to be a Nightmare Wakes. This is a biopic of how Shelley, uh, Mary Shelley, wrote Frankenstein in a toxic relationship. And uh, what I'm just going to say is, uh, just go watch the the professor. Um, Professor M and the Wonder Woman movie because it's mm-hmm. the same exact concept, and it's that movie is way better. Much better. So, what you got for number one, though, my friend?
0: Well, when I saw this film back at the end of February this year, I knew that this was going to be the undisputed number one, number one worst film of the year, and I knew that nothing else was going to beat it. <laughs> and I'll explain to you why. And it's the United States versus Billie Holiday. This film was released on Hulu at the end of Black History Month. Um, It features a Academy Award-nominated performance from Andrea Day. I have no qualms with her performance. She does a good job. Uh, The problem I have with it is that it's a POS film. And and let me explain to you why. Lee Daniels, the director of this film, Lee Daniels, if you look at his career, has made a living off of profiting off of Black trauma. He's made a living off of it. Every one of his films deals with just... These black characters who are—they're either addicted to drugs, or they're being abused, or their bodies are being—or being assaulted on, or people are being raped, or it deals with all the bad things that happen to black people. He has made a living off of it in his films, and this is another one of them. This is not a story about the great Billie Holiday, who I remind you, Billie Holiday is one of the greatest musicians of all time, one of the greatest singers of all time, Billie Holiday is a hero. She is a hero to me. She is definitely a hero to my auntie who who is a musician. She loves Billie Holiday. She had a poster of Billie Holiday. She had Billie Holiday vinyl records and I grew up listening to them. So Billie Holiday is a very important person in the African-American community. But what this film does is that it only shows a person like Billie Holiday being abused, being beaten, being just used as a sex object. Just all of these things, all the bad things that happened to Billie Holiday, that's what's in this film. Like, it is disgusting how they treat a person of this importance. Like, Billie Holiday is an African-American hero. Like, what, what does it say about us when we don't even do right by our heroes? Like, when Spike Lee made a film like Malcolm X... He studied everything about Malcolm X. He did everything he could to get the portrayal of Malcolm X right, him and Denzel. When you see a film like Black Panther that can show you that Black characters can live in a vibrant environment, they can be happy, they can be heroes, they can be these characters that we care about. And then you have films like this that do nothing but just show the problems that Black people go through and they call it a film. They call it a drama. Like, no. This is 2021. We should be far from just showing films about Black people going through heavy stuff, going through sadness. Like, why can't we show Black people in fantasy films, science fiction, romance films? Like, where are those films at? But no, films like this get greenlit because most of these people know that there is profit in Black trauma, and it's sickening to think about. And so this film, I already knew by the time I watched it that it was going to be the worst film of the year because of how much they disrespected the great Billy holiday and also how this film, like there is a scene in this film where they show a person taking a shot, uh, injection of heroin and being thrown into a flashback to see where Billy's childhood was in the form of a heroin, a heroin rush. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say any more about this film because it is it, just so disgusting and disrespectful.
1: I totally forgot about this film, and I remember when this movie came out. Like, I was, I was kind of interested in watching it, and then I just remember talking to you the weekend it came out. And you're like, bro, just, just don't do it. Save your time. Like, it's, it's, it's trash. Like, and full context for like Coloss and I's relationship is like, Coloss is probably one of the most positive people I I know when it comes to film. And so to hear him talk that way about a movie, like, it's, it's, it's jarring to me. And, uh, you know, also, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I think I think you said it right when you were talking about, like, uh, that movie um, Antrim is that something it was called? Antrim movie- Bella or something like that? Oh,
0: Antebellum, yeah.
1: Antebellum, yeah. When that movie came out and you were talking about, like, how, uh, you know, How how long do we have to kind of keep seeing black people play these stereotypes, and like watching something like the photograph this year, or like Malcolm X, and like even like do the right thing. Like you see these groundbreaking films, and it's like, man, why don't we have more of these in modern cinema? And it's just kind of sad that it feels like for every step forward a filmmaker takes, then you have a movie like Billy Holiday that steps it back three steps.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could even get her just a regular Billie Holiday story. We had to focus on her being the victim, which is true. She was the victim of, you know, being followed, being investigated by the FBI, you know, being just like tortured by, you know, these people following her and trying to ruin her career and everything. Yeah, yes, this all happened. Yes, she did have relationships with abusive men. Yes. But the beauty, the grace, the talent. Um. Her, her, her present as an artist. You don't get many of those scenes in there. All you get is just these drama, dramatic scenes that are just nothing but just adding on, just adding on more and more and more negativity. And I don't want to see Billie Holiday that way. I want to see Billie Holiday being treated with respect. I want to see Billie Holiday get an accurate depiction. I want to see Billie Holiday being you know lifted up in in for other people, for new generations to be able to follow and understand. And this film doesn't do it. If if anybody wants to learn anything about Billie Holiday, go watch Lady Sings the Blues. It's a 1970s film featuring Diana Ross as the role of Billie Holiday. And that does a much better job of being a biopic about Billie Holiday. And you can also go and watch a Ken Ken Burns documentary called Jazz. It was released in 2001. There's 10 parts to it. But many of the parts deal with Billie Holiday perfect great brilliant brilliant um source about billy holiday but i kid you not just stay away from this film stop letting lee daniels a guy like lee daniels make these films featuring our african-american heels because he doesn't respect them he doesn't do them any service he's all in the business of providing black trauma to be put on the big screen
1: Mm. it's really heartbreaking um so, so my number one is gonna be also as heartbreaking and it is before i reveal what my number one is i just want to say that like as i said in the beginning uh the list that you're hearing on this episode is a little bit skewed because some of a lot of my top 10 actually was like independent films that people didn't have and if you guys listen to our creature feature weekend that alan and i did back in august Uh, I said a statement about the movie we covered on that one called Bigfoot Path of the Beast that I said would probably remain my number one. And it has it is there's no redeemable qualities about it. Um, But it's not the number one that I'm making on this list because I went through uh, it had to be on either streaming service or it had to go to theaters. And back in August, this is the first time I've ever seen anything like this. For this one, this movie struck an exclusive deal with Regal Cinemas to have their movie played in their theater exclusively ahead of their uh, festival circuit run in the fall, and they would pl- i think—they played on there for like two weeks. Um, so I none of my none of my local Regals played it. It looks like a really awesome. Uh, twist a horror twist on you know time loops and i finally got to see it when i covered uh covered it for salem horror fest back in october and that is a movie called 645 this movie this movie there's like next to no redeemable qualities about it uh it is it sits right now uh at the top of this list for a good reason um it's just it's boring. Basically, a couple decides to get away after, as a as a last resort, to kind of resow their ma- the magic of their uh, relationship after the husband has uh, boyfriend cheated on the girlfriend's. Very cliche. Uh, But they get stuck in this 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 getaway is basically Groundhog's Day for them. And so they keep reliving the same day and being murdered by this random guy day in and day out, no matter what they do. They always get murdered. And it gets to a point where it becomes predictable uh boring and this movie it just runs on way too long and the ending is one of the most unsatisfactory endings that I've seen this year and so that is why this movie is on my top of my list at, at, at number one because as I said in our Salem uh, Horror Fest episode look uh the nightmare of having to watch this movie Is a nightmare on itself. Like, the characters are going through their own nightmare. I'm going through my own watching this movie.
0: Oh, those are the worst. You know, it's a film that it wants to make you feel one way, but you end up feeling another way, and it's, like, not the intended feeling, but it's the feeling that you just get. I mean, uh, there were other films, like, last year, I think, when I went to go and see films like The Grudge or films Mm. like... um, I'm trying to think of the one film that had um the kid from Stranger Things in it. Um
1: Oh, the turning.
0: The turning, like films like that where they want to put you into these worlds that are supposed to give you nightmares, but the nightmares that you're experiencing these films. I mean <laughs> I just went to IMDB and I looked at the description of it and it says, What if one of the best days of your life suddenly turned to your very worst nightmare? And what if you were forced to relive that same day again and again? So it's it's nothing it's nothing new. I mean, this is a, a a concept that's been done in many different genres across different decades. And I'm pretty sure it's probably been done much much better.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I I would just suggest to skip this one and go nostalgic. Watch Back to the Future. So much better.
0: Yes, uh, uh, Back to the Future is a classic. <laughs>
1: So I think that's gonna I think it's gonna do it. But I am curious since we are talking about ending last year's f- circuit, what was your most anticipated movie for this year?
0: Wow, uh, I guess if I had to say um, if there is one that I'm just dead set looking forward to, it would have to be the Batman. <laughs> um, I. Ooh. I ended up seeing the trailer before um, a film I saw last year. Um, I was trying to not see it because I usually have a rule about not watching trailers. But that rule gets like um, expunged when I'm in the theater because I I really don't like to cover my eyes. But I saw the trailer and I think Matt Reeves, Robert Patterson, um, Zoe Kravitz. uh, Andy Serkis, Colin Farrell. Yes. Um, I think all of these people, they're going to bring a sense of epicness and a sense of weight with the Batman story. Nothing like we've ever seen before, like maybe Dark Knight. But I think this has a sense of that grunge and that year one feel to the Batman story. And year one is one of my favorite stories in the Batman universe. So I'm all set for it, man. I think, I think it's going to be excellent. And I usually don't say that about films. I try to keep a clear head, but i'm just wildly excited for the new batman film
1: <laughs> yeah i i'm i'm saying it's, it's not my most anticipated film of the year but it's like for me like i'm i'm here for it like i have been championing matt reeves long before uh like he was ever in the running like we were talking uh back when we were still doing news and it was like, you know, Ben Affleck's going to step down. Who would you want to see directed? And it's like, Matt Reeves would be the perfect guy to do it because I mean, you look at what he was able to accomplish with Planet of the Apes in two movies and like just what he's been able to do between like, you know, that and Cloverfield and like a lot of the other movies that he's done. And it's just like, man, like this guy knows what he's doing. And like, I, this is the guy that I want to see take over the Batman.
0: Yes, Matt Reeves has proven himself that he can handle stories like this. I mean, Planet of the Eight series, the new trilogy, is probably one of the most underrated and greatest film trilogies we've ever had. And I know it's weird to say that something is the greatest and it's underrated in the same sentence, but not a lot of people talk about those Planet of the Eight films. I don't feel like they get enough attention as they should. Like, they don't even get talked about in the same realm as, like, maybe Lord of the Rings. I mean... Maybe a hot take, but I do consider these Planet 8 films to be among some of the best released in the last decade, so Matt Reeves is definitely the guy for the job, and I know Robert Patterson, he's been on a run in these last few years, man. I mean, The Lighthouse, Tenant, Good Time, Uh, this guy's on fire, so I expect for him to bring that same fire to the character of Batman.
1: Same. And uh, so, my, so my number one's actually my most anticipated movie this year is actually more for curiosity than it is like anticipation but it's actually going to be Hellraiser which is a Hulu release but the reason that I'm I'm excited about it is because they're they're gender swapping the antagonist but also it's David Bruckner and one of the things that I got really big into as far as like directing was this past year was Bruckner. Bruckner has done The Ritual, The Night House, and Southbound, which uh and he also shot one of the VHS uh things. But like, dude, just wanted to see what he can do with this like really rich world. Uh, I'm I'm so excited for it because like he, just coming out of the Night House, Nighthouse is one of my favorite movies of last year. Going back and digging into his filmography, this man could make a two hour movie about Bananas rotting, and I would go see in.
0: Wow, bananas rotting. That's, <laughs> that is um, definitely an image for sure. <laughs>
1: he would, he would find some way to make it entertaining. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Let us know what, what's the worst movie you guys saw in 2021. Tweet to us at Victims and Villains. And also, uh, let us know what, what movie you guys are most anticipated to see in 2022. Uh, speaking of the socials, where can people find you online, sir?
0: Um, You can find me on Facebook as Caless Davis. And that's C-A-L-E-S-S. You can find me on Instagram and letterbox.com under the alias Black Nerd Magic
1: you guys can also find me on letterbox and at captain nostalgia you guys can uh, follow our parent company victims and villains we are on facebook instagram twitter twitch and youtube and wherever you guys find your podcast from if you guys go to our website victimsandvillains.net you'll find more podcasts like this links to our patreon and most importantly our mental health resource library so until next time have a good night guys